Want access to richer content and exclusive analysis on the business of sport? Sports Pro Plus is used by experts across the industry to make informed decisions, with two membership tiers offering access to original content, exclusive reports, and a suite of business intelligence tools. Become a member today at sportspromedia.com forward slash subscribe and use the code FCPOD10. That's FCPOD10 at checkout for a 10% discount. The Football Co. Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football. Welcome to the Football Co. Business Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Manby, and on this show, I talked to Christian Arbeit, Communications Director at FC Union Berlin, who at the time of recording are remarkably top of the Bundesliga, looking down at the likes of Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund. But despite their current position in the table, Union is a club which defies and even rejects what many see as inevitable prerequisites for 21st century football success. For example, they have budgets and a fan base far smaller than not only the likes of FC Bayern and Dortmund, but also their city rivals Hertha. But through a combination of factors including their recent on-field success, Union are undeniably cool and are attracting both global media attention and new supporters enticed by a club quickly becoming the hipster football fans' team of choice. So how does this success and popularity balance with the club's brand? How does a club described by some as poor but sexy avoid the seemingly inevitable but possibly undesired gentrification of modern football? Let's find out as I welcome Christian to the show. Thank you very much. Hello. So Christian, as I mentioned in the intro, Berlin as a city and Union as a club have been described as poor but sexy. Do you think that's a fair comment? <laughs> well, it is, it is a very famous quote of the former uh, mayor of Berlin, uh, uh, which was Klaus Wolverides. Um, and uh, yeah, he pointed out that, uh, you know, Berlin is not, not famous for, you know, huge incomes, for, for big industries or anything like that, but still is a very interesting, very lively city. Uh, attracts many young people from all over the world. And um, for Berlin, that was a uh, an interesting quote. It, it soon went went pretty famous. We as, a, as Berliners didn't think about that too much because it's our city anyway. And, that, and that's the, the thing, what I, what I would consider similar to the club. It's like we're not thinking the whole day about how special we are because for us, it is our club, you know, and the, what seems to make us special is that we most of the time think about how do we ourselves like football? How do we want to live football? How, how does it feel good for us to see it in the stadium? How should it look like? How should it feel? And uh, that's the way we do it then, because of course, it, first of all, it has to be fun for us. And, uh, and then we look around and every, everyone's like, oh, they're so special. For us, it, it's, 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 First of all, the normal way to uh, uh, to think about you know our club and our football. How would you define what that special thing is? What would you describe as the Union brand? Whether you're thinking about it from your own point of view as you're talking there, or now perhaps increasingly how others see you. Well, first of all, um, for ourselves, it starts with with what I just tried to explain. Is like for us the most important person surrounding the club is the one who comes to the stadium and and wants to see and and uh, uh, enjoy the club on a match day 
and uh, yeah w- what we try is to to uh, let the the game still have a certain dignity to not just use it for lots of you know commercials or or anything around it but let the football be the the core point on a match day and uh, that means give people space to express themselves let let them sing on their own we are the only club in the in the two top leagues in germany who don't have a, a so-called goal music we don't we don't uh, you know animate the people how to to celebrate they don't need a rhythm or a melody they can do it on their own because it's the most exciting moment in a in a football match when your team scores a goal and we don't interrupt the game with with commercials or presentations you know no corners no uh, whatever other results or injury breaks are presented by whatever sponsor which is pretty usual in german football i don't know how it is how it is in england but uh, in germany it's a very uh, very you know uh, usual to do so and um, that at the same time means we reject the money we could earn for it of course so uh, that that's something everyone can see and uh, uh, there are people who say I don't mind if there's anything like that, but we, as the people who go to Union, we don't want that to spoil the football. And um, how we are seen from 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 the outside, it's like uh, we, of course, recognize that at the moment um, in a, in a very special way because uh, being the uh, top of the table in one of the biggest football leagues in the world. That, that brings a lot of attention from other countries, uh, as we are talking right now, for instance. And um, it looks like um, there are many special things. Like it starts with our stadium, which uh, has, a, which is pretty small, far too small actually for the uh, amount of tickets needed. It's uh, it's got a capacity of twenty two thousand uh, people, around about eighteen and a half thousand of that are standing terraces, which is. I, I've never seen that in, in the top flights uh, anywhere it's three else. Three sides standing, one side sitting. Is that right? In the stadium? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And standing on terraces makes people, uh, it, it lets them feel everything with more intensity and, and, and they are much more part of it because it's easier to sing, to jump around, to celebrate the team and, and, the, and the sports itself. Uh, when you're not just sitting on your single seat and can easily take your you know your smartphone out and and do something else if if the game is not satisf- satisfying enough so you're just part of it. The, the 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 terraces are packed with people there's no free space anymore because every every game is sold out of course it's it's so small the stadium so um everyone looks at it is like oh how can that be possible and we we've experienced that now in our Europa League matches, when the UEFA match delegates have been here, and they look around and say, "All right, I haven't seen that for a very, very long time." Uh, it looks beautiful. It's it's an interesting debate, the safe standing one, and it's one that is happening in England. I think uh, you know England is behind other countries in terms of the adoption or readoption of safe standing for sort of twenty five years, thirty years since a number of high profile disasters. It's been taboo. And actually, increasingly now, it is a conversation, certainly from England, we look over to Germany and we say, you know what, it can be done correctly. Uh, Christian, I want to just talk a little bit more before we go into kind of the commercialization or anti-commercialization that you were touching on there about Union being a Berlin club. How closely do you think the club is tied to the city, its history, 
its culture. I mean, put another way, could a club like Union exist anywhere else? Well, let, let me take a quick look to London. What would you say? Is there a club, a football club, a Premier League club in London who would call themselves to be the one club for the whole city? I don't, I think that's a weird thought if, if I think about London. So uh, you are either, you know, Arsenal or Chelsea or Tottenham or Fulham or whatever, because the city is so big. And, and Berlin is a, is a huge city as well, far smaller than London, but still, you know, by, by far the biggest city in, in Germany. And it was, uh, it was divided like uh, from, uh, from 61 to uh, uh, 89. And uh, it's got a very long history. And Berliners themselves, you know, they consider the city as a more or less a collection of many small communities. And as a Berliner, you don't move through the whole city. There's no reason for that because you've got everything in your own little district or in your own little community. So considering all that and having all that in mind, there's almost, uh, there's nothing as I'm a natural born Berliner. There's nothing in this city, I would say, that stands alone for the whole city. We got everything at least double. You know, there are two TV towers to zoos to three opera houses and all that stuff so and we got two pretty big football clubs that's Hertha BSC and that's Union Berlin and for us it's like of course we are a Berlin-based club we are from this city we are from the southeast from the district of Köpenick and everyone is invited but what we not do is running around through the whole city and telling everyone listen we are the smartest and coolest and hippest whatever uh, attraction of the city so come to us but you know we do what we do and if you like it you're very welcome the club's popularity has grown massively in recent years i'm sure some of that's linked to on-field success i saw one number thrown out there maybe you can tell me if it's true that in the last decade it's grown from 6,500 members to 40,000 in about 10 or 12 years what do you put that down to well i guess there's in in modern times there there's still the idea of belonging to something you know to something decent to something you can rely on and modern life is you know i don't know it's cutting off so many connections yeah if i remember my own childhood we've been sitting on the on the table for for dinner every night together the whole family that's almost gone in 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 almost every family because you know, working times are so different and, and the children, children, you know, doing something. So losing these connections to, to other groups or other, uh, other people makes you possibly want to belong to still to a, a great community. And, uh, as, as football clubs and football fans consider themselves as kind of a family as well, that makes you want to become a member of the club in the end. Not, not from the very beginning. It, maybe it's, it, it starts with, you know, going to the club or just reading about it or just being interested in. Uh, but mostly it ends up, you know, with, all right, let me be a, uh, an official part of it. So uh, I, I'd like to become a member. And so that's about around about 46,000 now. <laughs> 46 now. Okay. Yeah, My numbers yeah. are out of date. It's probably going up by, you know, a couple of thousand every week right now. Um, so my question there, you're talking about community, and that's interesting because I think you're talking about local community and belonging to a certain part of Berlin, but also 
in this day and age, community can be a digital thing and you can be part of an online community. So of this six-fold or seven-fold multiplication in the number of members that the club's had in the last decade or so, how many are from Southeast Berlin, Berlin, Germany, rest of the world? Do you have that data? Um, not in, in exact numbers right here, right now, but if you put a point in the middle of, of you know, circles growing bigger and bigger and bigger, then, of course, the highest concentration of, of members of the club are in the southeast of Berlin and surroundings. And then it's getting less and less and less and less, the, you know, the, the bigger the distance is there. There are, of course, you know, some uh, things that, that make people easier le le become a member. Like in the former East Germany, we got more than in the former West Germany. So that's because the people, you know, have a connection or yeah, historical connection to the club. They, they know it already for, for a pretty long time. And uh, yeah, that's just almost it, you know, and, uh, and then it, it takes uh, the digital media you mentioned already uh, to, um, yeah, to, to, to let the people know in the world that you exist. It's not uh, running around and, and say, look at us, look at us. We are so cool. And, and uh, just don't, uh, you know, forget to get a member, but it's like, Make, give them the chance to recognize you. That, that's what I would describe what we are doing. Does everyone embrace the newfound popularity? I'm talking about your loyal, local, long-term fans currently seeing FC Union has a website in English, has a Twitter <laughs> channel in English. Like, um, Is everybody happy about that globalization or do some people sort of feel a little bit uneasy? Like, hang on, is this the club I grew up supporting? Well, I, I think it's it's not the problem that we do things like in English or that we uh, have an English website or, or an English uh, Twitter account. The problem for the people is how to get a ticket, and, and that that makes them feel uncomfortable. Because in in the early nineties, I've been here myself at that time. You know, uh, we had matches of our first team with less than thousand people in the stadium. And uh, that was a time when we on the terraces said, oh, listen, guys, if everyone who was here today comes back for the next game and brings one other guy or girl, then we could maybe in two or three or four weeks reach the number of 2,000, which was like, oh, really? So we, we are back again, you know? And uh, I remember the times when we said, oh, it's the first time for ages that we have 4,000 in the stadium and all that stuff. And, and it was a long time you didn't need to, to worry about. You could come here by the, you know, by bicycle five minutes before kickoff, uh, go to the ticket office, buy a ticket and, and just simply get in. And now you have to take part in a lottery because, as I said, the number of, of members is uh, more than double than the stadium capacity. They're pretty lucky season ticket holders. Uh, we stopped selling new uh, many years ago, so it's around about eleven thousand season ticket holders, and that's just it. And you can only buy your own season ticket again, and and then uh, there are no new season tickets given out already for many years now, because everyone's waiting for the for a higher capacity of the stadium. We are we have our plans to to uh, to make it bigger, so it's going to be a uh, from it's it will get up from twenty two thousand now to thirty seven then. But it still takes some time to to do that. It's not easy to build in Germany. 
I can't hear uh, any sort of news about FC Union Berlin increasing stadium capacity without thinking about, and I know it's a famous story and I'm sure you've told it many times, but for the listeners who don't know it, can you tell us about the current stadium and how parts of that was built? I mean, this really was built by the fans, like using their bare hands, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Actually, that that was what, what you mean is the, the famous the, the, the famous last uh, uh, modernization of the stadium in the in the years uh, 2008 2009 it was uh, that's right around yeah. about 13 months and yeah it was two and a half thousand around about 2300 people that they they came here and and with their bare hands being not experienced you know builders but like teachers salesmen ev- everyone who, who appeared and and tried to help in the end they delivered 140 thousand hours of of work and uh, they um, they put the concrete all unpaid free all, work all right? un- unpaid because at that time the the club you know played in the fourth division uh, no it was sorry it was the third it was the the third that was newly established uh, uh, a nationwide third division and uh, you know the stadium until that very moment in in the springtime 2008 the the stadium belonged to the district of Copenhagen and to the city of berlin and they yeah what can i say they didn't put in any effort to keep it in shape and in the end the the football federation said all right that that was just it um uh, you can't play here anymore so and that was the moment when when we asked the city to say all right if you don't do it why don't you let it to us and we try whatever we can? And uh, we didn't have the money. They didn't have the money or they didn't want to spend the money. A city always has money, of course, but it has its own priorities. And uh, in, in the end, we, we signed a, a long-term uh, contract, uh, like 69 years uh, to, to rent this, you know, the, the, the stadium and the, and the, uh, the whole ground. And, uh, and we could just uh, build here on, on our own and what we still didn't have that time was money and uh, to to uh, you know build a proper new stadium we just wanted to make it usable again so that that we at least were allowed to play here and uh, you needed new steps on, on the terraces we needed uh, a roof and uh, all, all that stuff and it ended up you know, we, we thought it would be done in like eight weeks. It ended up by uh, 13 months and we did more and more and more. The more people appeared to help, uh, the more we could do. And uh, yeah, that's why the people love their stadium, of course. In the end, it, it was something that happened in the, in the more than 100-year-long history of the stadium from time to time. You know, we play here football since uh, 1920 and it started with being a you know normal sports ground and it grew into a stadium over the decades always by the help of supporters and that was you know the the biggest uh, building site with with uh, football fans we've ever seen here it's like a free apprenticeship everybody you know learned their skills i like to think southeast berlin is just full of you know impeccably uh, DIY buildings and homes and all the rest of it. <laughs> uh, maybe not that many, <laughs> but but yes. Uh, and it it it, it was uh, you know getting a self fulfilling thing, you know, because 
you know, oh, a friend of mine has been there already and he said and he said it was cool. And then you started thinking, all right, once it will be finished and we go back to this place, how can I get back if I didn't help? So uh, everyone was thinking about like taking a few days of holiday uh, and going there. And uh, and it brought us all very close together and, and was a, a kind of a kickstart to the club's success on the pitch as well. It puts the current situation in context, doesn't it? You know, you now have an oversubscribed season ticket waiting list, impossible to get a new season ticket, very difficult to even get a ticket. So I imagine that this new influx of football tourism, and football tourism is a real thing all over the world, and especially in a city like Berlin, which is so popular for people to visit for so many different reasons, go and check out a match at the same time, or go specifically because you want to be part of this thing, is a massive industry. I know that the UK attributes $1.5 billion of tourist income per year to football, people flying in, coming over by whatever means to watch football matches. So I suppose for the local fans who helped build the stadium and who have been there when there was just 1,000 people there, how would they view tourists like me turning up on a weekend and trying to get my hands on a ticket? <laughs> well... As long as we as a club don't advertise tourist offers to a guy like you, it'll all be okay. Because if you are here and somehow got a ticket from whatever Uniona, you know, if maybe you know someone personally or you're right into a group and someone has a ticket and can come and uh, passes the ticket over to you, then you're very welcome. So that that is, uh, uh, of course, it, it changed a bit. It, it was more spectacular in, in the tougher times you know when when we've played when we played uh, fourth division or third division when not that as you call us uh, a, a hippie or a hipster club and uh, then that that time like in the in the in 2006 or 7 it was kind of spectacular of english or uh, people from other countries uh, appeared and and they've been like oh wow how do you know us why are you here that's great so cool and and uh, that's a bit gone, of course, uh, but still, uh, you would be welcome as long as you got your ticket already. Christian, I want to talk about you. I, I kind of didn't. I thought I was just going to talk about the club, but actually talking now, you exemplify all of this, right? Your story. <laughs> I introduced you as communications director of FC Union Berlin, but your history goes back a long time. And I bet when you first started out as stadium announcer, mm -hmm. which you still do now, if yeah. I if I've got that right. Yes. I bet you never thought you'd be communications director. And I'm sure you're the only communications director in Europe's, uh, you know, top five leagues uh, who is also, uh, you know, who does communications director and stadium announcer. So does that feel right? Do you feel like you exemplify this journey that FC Union have been on? Well, I don't think about that too much, but if, if you ask me that way, yeah, it looks like a bit, you know, I'm, I come to this place since I'm 12 years old. It, it was the autumn uh, 1986 when my father brought me to the stadium. I was 12 years old, the, the old story, you know, uh, often told. And um, since then, I, I hardly missed a game. And uh, at a certain point, that, that was actually in, yeah, autumn 2005, I've been asked uh, by the club if I could imagine to be the stadium announcer. And that was a weird thing because I thought oh I mean there is one and, and why do you want to change and they explained that to me and all that and, and I started and uh, that was really fun you know and uh, 
few years later, in, uh, in January 2009, I started as uh, as the spokesman for the club. And uh, yeah, we, we've been on our way to po a possible promotion to the second Bundesliga. Uh, in the end, we, we managed to, to, to get promoted uh, and then stayed in that second Bundesliga for 10 years. We always thought there might be the moment when when there's a step back and then we come back again, but there was never a step back. And uh, at a certain point, we said, why not thinking about how to reach the Bundesliga? And uh, when when that happened, it, it was such a special moment. Uh, it, it was the whole district of Copenhagen was was red because of the people wearing red clothes, whatever, football shirts, normal T-shirts, all that. It was all red. And everyone was... In, in Germany, I think it was like, ah, oh, that's cool. Finally, they made it. Now they will travel around one nice little year, singing their beautiful songs, celebrating football, uh, doing what they do, and, and then they uh, will be back in the second Bundesliga. But that didn't happen as well so far. In the end, it's, uh, it is uh, our fourth season uh, now, and uh, twice in a row we qualified for a European competition. So, uh, yeah, knock on wood, it's... Uh, it's uh, it's a nice way, really. It's uh, there's a book obviously with so much foreign interest and such an incredible story. It's a book by Kit Holden, Scheisse, We're Going Up, which sort of <laughs> describes this moment that uh, you know maybe the fans or the clubs sort of thought, "Wow, this is actually happening. We're we're in the big time." But as you say, it hasn't been this sort of catastrophe, or it feels like the club hasn't had to sell out on its values or change the way that it acts which is amazing, but how far can it go? I mean, given how important staying true to the club's roots is, how much further do you think Union can go? In terms of sporting success, I mean, you know, four years in the Bundesliga, Conference League this year, Europa League, top of the Bundesliga as we speak. Do you talk about that at the club or are you just enjoying the ride? Well, uh, at the moment, I, I, to be honest, there's almost no time to, to talk or think too much because uh, there's uh, three games a week uh, until mid of November, but then there's the long break and we, we, I guess we, we will take a rest and uh, yeah, think and talk a lot. In the end, there's no fear. You know what, what we see is that if you go your own way, you, you still can be successful, you, even if, if it, in the first moment it, it doesn't look like that because, you know, it's all, of course, seeing a long term, yeah, it's all about budgets. But even on that side, there is a, de a development, you know, it's, of course, we, we still don't have a Europa League club budget compared to, uh, to the rest of the Bundesliga, but we, we are pushing our own borders and uh, it's, it's like we are ambitious, but still we are realistic. And so, so it's kind of, we are thinking the whole day about what what is there to improve. That that was the it, that's what the coach is doing with the team. He's still he was asked after after the two 0 win against Dortmund all, uh, uh, on Sunday, is Union at the moment uh, the best team in the Bundesliga? And he he was thinking a, a half a minute and said, no, I don't think so, because there's so many things to improve. And, and same thing is. Uh, you know, for the club as an as an organization, in uh, with, with so many things to do and to to organize, and uh, we what we try is to develop the club 
in its own speed and its own on its own way. And if it brings success as it does, then we enjoy the ride, like you said. I think for a lot of clubs at the top of European football, the last few decades have been about international expansion. And of course, you know, stay true to your local fan base, but also embrace with open arms, uh, foreign interest, support, and of course, money, uh, whether that's pre-season tours or shirt sales or memberships or whatever it might be. At Union, is that something that you embrace or do you worry about that diluting the essence of what the club is? It, it has to come somehow naturally, you know? It's, it's not that we think, all right, we are now the fourth year in the Bundesliga, so that means automatically we got to go to the US next summer or to Asia or wherever, you know? It's like if something happens that makes that feel the right move at, at the time, then we think about it. It's not that, you know, we, we don't think about how does our football look like on TV in China or wherever. It's, it's like we, we care about how is our football for ourselves. And, and if this is good, then if, if you see a match of ours in our stadium on TV, I'm pretty sure you can even feel the intense atmosphere at the, at the TV, you know? And if we do so, then it, it might turn out, that, uh, turn out that, that it's an interesting thing to watch or, or to take a look at in other countries as well. And then the moment might appear when we go somewhere. But, you know, we have to feel comfortable with that. And uh, if it does not, then we don't do. So final question, Christian, and I hope this isn't contrived, but I'm trying to link what we've talked about with this podcast uh, platform. And the question is this. On this podcast, we have listeners from all around the world, mm -hmm. uh, not a huge percentage in Germany, so we can call this a potential global fan base. Okay. Uh, new audience for FC Union Berlin, if you like. Good. What would you ideally want the reaction of listeners to be after listening to this podcast? So is it just enjoy about uh, learning about the club a little bit or watch the team's matches, follow the social media accounts, buy a membership? Or immediately forget everything and go back to supporting Manchester United or Real Madrid. <laughs> Support your local club. No, uh, yes, of course that's important. That's still important. But what what I would I, I would like the idea if people listen to to us and then think, all right, it's nothing nothing wrong with to focus on your own surrounding. So to focus on the place place where you are at home, where you belong to. And uh, and to to be good there, you know. And if you're good there, then other people might be attracted by that. So uh, take care for your environment, for your neighborhood, for your social surrounding, and uh, that still, you know, can make you feel good, make you feel make you feel strong as well. And uh, um, yeah, bring success. Christian, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. Welcome. And thank you, listener, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked this, check out the show archives for more of the same. All the best. The Football Co. Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football.